Good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. What a joy it is for me uh, just to, uh, I want you guys to know that I have missed you so much. I I just want to, first of all, just say thank you to uh, you guys uh, just for allowing my wife and I just to take some extended time uh, or, or just some, some time off to be able to just to rest and replenish and rejuvenate ourselves in the Lord. Uh, for those of you uh, that are here for the first time, I uh, just want to say welcome. My name is Johnny Gonzalez, and I serve as the executive pastor here at Antioch Dallas, and it is such a joy and a privilege uh, to do so. And so uh, as, as for those of you that have been here for, with us for some time or have been here for a long time, uh, you know that I'm not Zach, and Zach was uh, scheduled to preach this morning. Uh, we went to uh, USCON, which is a, a conference where all of our uh, Antioch churches across the movement get together in Waco, and then he got the call yesterday, as well as Jeremy West, and got the call that said, hey, you guys were closely exposed to someone who had COVID, and so out of precaution, uh, they stayed home. Uh, and so I got the call yesterday at 6 p.m. and said, Johnny, you're up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and so, um, uh, so I just said, yes, sir, and uh, quickly opened my, well, I waited to put my kids down, opened my Bible, and I just said, Lord, you're going to have to do something. <laughs> and so uh, this morning, uh, I do, I do want to ask for a little bit of grace, just because if you've ever been in a position where you had to give even a presentation last minute, you know how that is. And so uh, this morning, I, I just know that it, it is an honor. It's also a weightiness that I do feel this morning. Uh, but I think that the Lord has already been working in such a way where uh, what's interesting is that the text that I want to preach out of, or at least the story that I want to preach out of this morning, uh, Joe shared it during our serve team rally this morning. So he took a little bit of my thunder, but I just said, Lord, whatever you want to speak this morning, you speak and don't let it be me. And so with that said, uh, here's what I want to do for any of you who has been watching the news or even just watching the Olympics, right? The main main thing that has been coming up is just this idea of COVID and Delta variant and all of these things. And so it it gives us cause uh, to pause. It gives us an opportunity just to stop and stand, right? Because if, if we remember back to March of 2020... Uh, we uh, many times didn't even uh, understand what coronavirus was, and then all of a sudden we're here 18 months later, and then we start talking about a different variant, and we start uh, maybe even experiencing some of the uh, uh, PTSD or even some of the things that, that we walk through and all of these questions that came up. But here's what I want to do this morning. I don't just want to pause to think about coronavirus. I want to pause because what we do as a church here at Antioch Dallas is that anytime there's a hardship or anytime something like this comes up, we want to pause and intercede. And I believe, I, I, was, I was saying this to the worship team this morning, and, I, and, and, and uh, staff, you, you'll hear for the first time here, but one of the things that I do believe is that as we go into the fall, uh, there may be some, some hard times ahead, but the church of Jesus Christ is not afraid of hard times. 
We've been through hard times. The Bible is, uh, tells story after story of the people of God going through very difficult times. And one of the things that they continually do is humble themselves, pray and seek the Lord's face so that he can turn his ear towards us and hear us and deliver us. And so what I want to do this morning uh, with soberness and, with, and, and, and just with seriousness is to be able to just take some time just to pray and intercede. And the way that, we want to do, that I want to do, uh, us to do that this morning is just to do it international style. And what that means, if you do, didn't grow up in church, is really rather than gathering in groups, we're just going to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord's ears, uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean this to be funny, but really the Lord's ears in many ways are so uh, big that he can hear all of our voices at the same time. He is not thrown off by that. He's not, he's not shaken by people crying out to him and his people saying, Lord, have mercy. So why don't we just take a moment right now uh, if you, if you want to gather, you can, but I just want you to just cry out with your voice. I, I'm not going to pray over this microphone because I want to hear your voices just crying out to the Lord. And we're going to ask the Lord for mercy. We're going to ask the Lord that he would protect us. We're going to ask the Lord for healing over our world. Okay, these are big prayers that we're going to pray. We're going to pray for healing over our world, healing over our country, healing over our city. And then maybe some of you have, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little excited here because I, I just want to enter into this. But maybe some of you have family that are right now going through some, uh, ha that has coronavirus. And we're going to pray for healing there. We're going to pray for uh, the Daniel family. So Pastor Zach's family, we're going to pray for uh, Pastor Jeremy's family, the West family, and we're just going to pray and plead the blood of Jesus over them. Amen? Amen. All right. So ready? One, two, three. Lord. church don't tire out just begin to raise your voices right there the entire world, Lord, that, that you would bring healing to our world, Lord. 
Lord, that as, uh, Lord, as we're living in a pandemic worldwide, Lord, we just pray that your mercy would just be poured out. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives and over the lives of our family and over the lives of, 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 of every human on the face of this planet, Lord. We pray big prayers because we know that you are sovereign and that you created the earth and everything in it and the fullness thereof is of your is, is yours, Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would have mercy. We pray for healing. We pray, Lord, that if, uh, if you are trying to capture our attention, that our eyes would be focused in on you and that, Lord, that our eyes would be shifted towards you, that we would not drift away from you, but that this would be a time when we would turn to you with all of our heart and with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, God, and that we would say, Lord, have your way in us, that your glory would be on display, Lord, that your gospel, the good news of the gospel would go out in this time and in this season, and that we would not relent, Lord, from speaking out about your goodness, but that, Lord, that we can share your faithfulness to others in the midst of a trying time. Lord, we just ask for your grace and for your mercy, and we also ask for the empowerment of your spirit to go before us, Lord, so that we can be witnesses in, in, in our city, in our nation, and, and unto the ends of the earth. So, Lord, we just ask that your spirit would just continually move. Build a hedge of protection around us. Build a hedge of protection around each of, our, of the families of Antioch, Dallas. Build a hedge of protection as our kids are about to enter into school, Lord. Build a hedge of protection, Lord, as we, as many of us may be going back to the office. Build a hedge of protection around us, Lord, as, as we continue to gather as God's people. So, Because, Lord, we're not afraid. But, Lord, we also want to walk in wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Whew. All right. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Uh, I, am, I am wanting uh, to fly through this this morning, but I'm not going to do that because I want to be obedient to what the Lord is wanting to do. Uh, Josh, I don't mean to call you out in front of everybody here, but I, as I was sitting in the front chair, as I was praying and interceding, the Lord just won't let me uh, move on without saying this to you. I got the picture of the sculpture, and this may sound awkward, I don't mean it to be awkward, but a sculpture of, of uh, David uh, by Ma Michelangelo. And it's this sculpture, and what I uh, felt like the Lord just wanted me to share with you is this idea of strength and of, and of a watchman. And so I want you to know that I, I believe that the Lord is just wanting uh, to let you know that he sees strength in you. Uh, you are a, uh, a good-looking dude, but he's also asking you to be a watchman in this time. I saw you walking out with your oldest daughter by the hand, and he's saying that's how he has you, and that he's wanting you to, like David, that sculpture of David, if you don't know this, he's looking out towards Rome with a kind of a menacing look because he's saying uh, he's, it's a depiction of him getting ready to face the giant. And it's this idea that the Lord is setting you up as a watchman in your family and in this city. I don't know if that rings a bell, but I just wanted to say he has strengthened you for a time as this. And I just wanted to say that to you. Lord, we just pray for the Groth family. Pray for, pray for Josh. I pray for his family. And I pray that your anointing would just be over him. Lord, let your covering be over him. And that, Lord, whatever uh, words um, that you have spoken to his own heart, that this word would just, uh, uh, that he would retain the good. And, Lord, do away with the things that may not resonate. But, Lord, I pray in his own life 
that you would be with him all the days of his life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark 10, uh, beginning in verse 46. And this is what it says. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. And we're gonna read the whole thing this morning and then we'll work our way through it, okay? Ready? Mark 10, 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with the large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Man, thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, if, if I were to put a title to this message this morning, the title is Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Uh, uh, for those of you uh, that may not know me or maybe I haven't shared this portion of my story, uh, I grew up in church in an assembly of God church that was predominantly uh, Hispanic, uh, speaking Spanish here in Garland, Texas. Woo. Uh, <laughs> uh, G town, G what? Um, anyway, uh, so grew up in Garland and uh, really didn't move out of my parents' house until until I got married to my lovely wife because my mom said, you know, uh, you have we can't pay for your schooling, uh, your college. So, but what we can do is provide food on the table and a roof over your head. The only condition is that you either have to work, go to school, or do both, and you can live here. And I said, I'm going to work. I'm going to school. And I want to live here. <laughs> so, uh, and so that's just natural in Hispanic families. But growing up, uh, even though it was very much a Christian household, I, I never doubted that my family loved me. Uh, there was just some hardship that happened whenever I, I was a kid. There was abuse that happened uh, to me by some just extended family. And as I was going through that, was exposed to uh, just diff varying different types of, of sin that at a young age, I just believed... Uh, nine, 10 year old, 11 year old shouldn't be going through that. But throughout that entire time, uh, I, I just consistently had moments where I would sense that the Lord was wanting to do something in me. And so uh, where even at a young age and even and even as teenage years, that there would be times where I would be leading worship from the front. And then while I was at school, be a completely different person. And as, as, as I continued to grow, I, I just remembered uh, visibly, I, I just remember in, at the age of 12, there was a moment where uh, some friends that, that I was hanging out with, they, uh, they consistently preached Jesus to me and they consistently told me that I needed him. And I just remember thinking, man, I just, as, even as a 12 year old, I was thinking I've gone through too much where I don't know if Jesus actually can heal me can meet me where I'm at. 
And I remember one particular January 6th, uh, I, there was a, a, you know, Hispanic Assembly of God churches. It seems like we have revivals, like it seems like every week, right? And, the, and they lasted from Sunday to Sunday. And then sometimes that preacher would just continue to preach and we'd say, we're going to go one more week, you know? And it was, it was kind of one of those weeks. And I just remember that day, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just gripping my heart. And my friend looked over to me and he, and he said these words. He said, it's now or never. So I remember going up to the altar and giving my life to the Lord and just being completely transformed in that moment that I went home. And because it was revival week, we typically ate dinner after church, which if you know anything about the church that I grew up in, I have a good friend of mine who grew up with me. His name is Chris here in the front row. He knows what I'm talking about. If you know anything about that, those services lasted sometimes till one in the morning and I'm hungry. Okay. So I get home that day, and I just remember my mom and dad uh, making some food before we had to go to bed, and they said, do you want some? And I said, no, I'm going up to my room because I just felt this desire to uh, just, just seek the Lord in that moment. And two things happen in that moment. The first thing, uh, I remember praying, and as I was praying, I kept asking the Lord, Lord, don't pass me by. Because as a kid going through every, I was 12 years old, I was going through all of this, all of these things that really no one really knew about, but I knew that God knew about them. And in that moment, I just said, Lord, if you can hear me, don't pass me by. And I was taken to Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, and I read the story of blind Bartimaeus in that moment, and I just sensed that it was the spirit of the Lord leading me there to let me know, Johnny, I am not passing you by. The second thing that happened that day is, is, I don't know if it was the ceiling fan that was going on in my room. I say that it was the Lord and the Spirit of God that was blowing through my room. But then all of a sudden, as I was praying there on my knees, I remember looking up in my Bible uh, that was open in Mark chapter 10, all of a sudden had flipped. Uh, it's a miracle. Flipped through uh, to Jeremiah chapter 1. And I just remember the Lord just, uh, just calling me in that moment into ministry and saying, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I have called you to be a prophet unto the nations. And I just remember that moment. And that was the moment that the Lord met me. And I, and, I, and I don't know about you, but all of us in many ways that have decided to follow the Lord have that moment where uh, Jesus was walking alongside uh, somewhere along a Jericho road and he sees you. And you began to cry out to the Lord and, and in that cry, he heard you. You see, the context of Mark in this particular passage is that uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And if you know anything about his journey to Jerusalem, is that there are many people that he would go by and he would heal. And he would also confront the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And all the while, he's headed towards Jerusalem because he knew that when he arrived in Jerusalem, he was going to be betrayed and put on a cross. And the ultimate goal for which he was going after, uh, it seemed like he could have just gone through and gone a straight line from Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem, but he didn't. Instead, he decided to go down different paths because he knew that he needed to encounter certain individuals. And one of those individuals was Bartimaeus. 
And if you read in verse 46, Bartimaeus uh, says, says, as Jesus and his disciples together with the launch crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. What was he doing? Begging. And so as, as, we, as I started reading this and just getting ready and saying, Lord, what would you have me speak to Antioch Dallas uh, tomorrow morning? One of the things is that he brought to light that we are also a lot like blind Bartimaeus, where we currently find ourselves in a, in a, in a great time of need. There's uncertainty around the corner concerning the pandemic. Will, will things shut down again? There's concern that the economy all of a sudden is going to bust. There's this consisting, nagging thought that we just can't get rid of of whether or not we are actually living in the apocalyptic days. We are, <laughs> we are living in constant fear for our own stuff or for our own families and for our safety and, well, and for our own being. And what we are needing right now is that we are needing an intervention. We find ourselves in great need. And allow me to suggest that we are a lot like blind Bartimaeus, where we are sitting by the roadside and we are begging. And we're asking the Lord in many ways for validation. We're, we're asking around and desiring someone. To, can someone notice the need that I'm currently in? We see, we look at the news, and in many ways, we identify more with the news and the, and the, and the uh, uh, mental health that is being highlighted through various different Olympians or the various different concerns that are out there through government or through different uh, talking heads. And we're saying, uh, uh, we, we're, we're, saying we're, we're noticing more, and we're, and we're being validated more by that than the Word of God and by Jesus. And the question that I continually wrestle with in this moment and in this time and as one of the pastors here is, does Dallas know that we exist? You see, for blind Bartimaeus, uh, people acknowledged him as a man who was the son of Timaeus. In other words, they didn't even know his name. Some scholars would suggest that Bartimaeus is actually not this man's name, but instead, the only uh, the, the reason why they started calling him Bartimaeus is because they only knew him from where he came from. Bar meaning son of Timaeus being Timaeus. This guy right here, I don't even know his name. His name is, actually, we don't know his name, but he's the son of Timaeus, and that's all we know. And so the question that continually just comes to me is, is do, does Dallas know that we exist? Do our neighbors know that, that we as a people of God exist? Are we acknowledged as being that church over there or as that good man or that good woman here? Um, and, and, and have we, the question that I was wrestling with last night is, have we become products of our own circumstances a lot like Bartimaeus? Do we acknowledge other things more than we acknowledge God and, and that he is above it all? Do we succumb more to fear than having the courage to stand up to it? Do we seek in many ways the idol of comfort and safety instead of seeking the face of God? These are hard questions that I'm, I, in my own heart, I'm saying, Lord, 
Help us. You see, I remain convinced that in the last 18 months are not meant to serve, uh, and I, we've said this before, but uh, they, they have not been meant to serve as an excuse, but as a catalyst to recognize our need for Jesus and his purposes on earth. Anytime we enter into crisis, and this is for free, anytime we enter into crisis, it is actually the doorway unto renewal or unto revival. That when crisis hits, if we think back, for those of you that were uh, old enough to remember uh, September 11th, when we remember September 11th, September, uh, the, the following Sunday, our churches were full of people. Because when crisis hit, all of a sudden, everyone starts turning to Jesus because they recognize that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And if, and if we could just go to him, then he is able to provide the very things that our soul needs. You see, the, the Bartimaeus knew that the man walking in front of him was not like the others. And this was his one and only chance to get his attention. And if we're going to be a people in great need, allow me to just encourage you, encourage you, church, encourage you, family, encourage you, the people of God, that we must cry out to God. You see, Bartimaeus, whenever he heard that it was Jesus that was walking by, it says that he cried out in verse 47. It says that when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, if I were to translate the, this text into 21st century language, uh, into common language of our day, what blind Bartimaeus is saying is, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And he began to cry out with such a loud voice that um, it, it, it began to bother those that were around him. How do I know that? Because in verse 48, it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He began to shout even louder, Jesus, I need you. And this is the phrase that I, that, that as I began to, to pour into this and pray into this, this is the phrase that I got just from, from the Lord this, uh, for this morning. And it was this, crying out and comfort don't mix. Crying out or intercession and comfort don't mix. You see, what the people around blind Bartimaeus were doing is that they were saying, hush, be quiet. It is not acceptable for you to cry out that way. It is not, it is not, um, uh, it, it, you're actually causing a, a disruption, Bartimaeus. You're actually making people uncomfortable around you. And even for Bartimaeus himself, could you imagine him begging his entire life or for as long as he was there and he's asking and seeking for validation. And yet when he hears Jesus, he says, this is my one and only chance. And I get to cry out to him and he's saying, Jesus, I need you. But everyone around him starts saying, this is not acceptable. You see, we live in a culture where it is not acceptable to be Christian anymore. The word Christian in many ways has taken on various meanings and it has a ton of baggage. 
Through the course of history, we've, we've been told what to believe and what to speak about and not to mention, uh, hey, 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 pastors, let's not mention the destruction that sin causes on people's lives. Let's not mention that the people of God or that, or that people need saving. In many ways, we've been told that we need more than just Jesus or something altogether different than Jesus. But this morning... I'm praying that we all receive the courage of Bartimaeus to cry out all the more loudly, Jesus, I need you. Because one of the things that I believe that, that the church is encountering and going through in this time is a time of desperation. It's a time of boldness. It's a time of intercession. It's a time of, of boldness in worship and intercession in worship. And it's in recognition that Jesus is all that we need. You see, when he began to cry out, he began to do what the psalmist, what the psalmist said in Psalm 63. He says, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold, beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you on my bed I remember you and this and blind Bartimaeus is like the psalmist where he also says as the deer pants for streams of water my soul pants for you my God my my soul thirsts for God for the living God where can I go to meet with God but remember that I said that intercession uh, and and comfort don't mix Because church, if there's one thing, as we were, as we were at USCON this past week, uh, Pastor Jimmy Seibert, who uh, started uh, Antioch Waco and then was, is the founder of the Antioch movement, so in many ways a father of all of the churches, one of the things that he had uh, charged every staff member in there to do is, is that he, uh, he said, I just do believe that we're entering into a time where we are entering into a time of intercession through worship and prayer. And so church, as a church, we're going to do more of that in the coming days and more of that will be, will be shared. But one of the things that I consistently want us and want you want to be, want to charge you with is this, is that this is not a time for us to kind of sit idly by in comfort, but that we must get out of our comfort zones to cry out to Jesus because this is our time church. This is the time that, uh, like the word for Josh, we need to stand at, at, on the wall and be watchmen and say, Lord, would you have mercy? Lord, would you protect us? Lord, would you, would you divert, Lord, anything that is coming against the people of God? And you know what? It's going to be uncomfortable. How do I know that intercession and crying out and uh, or crying out and and comfort don't mix is because of this the the scripture is clear that when Jesus stopped and he said call him verse 49 said they called to the blind man cheer up on your feet he's calling you in verse 50 it's this little interesting phrase in there that says throwing his cloak aside he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus 
And so this morning, church, I, I saw this picture whenever I got this, the call that um, we've been talking about this and being recharged and renewed in the presence of God. But one of the things that I've also seen just kind of as I was praying for you is that all of us in many ways are cloaked in, in, in something that we call comfort. And this morning, I want to be bold enough to call it to your attention. And that, and, and that uh, blind Bartimaeus, uh, here's the deal. I'm not saying that, that, that what, what you're doing is wrong or that being clothed in, in comfort is wrong. You see, for blind Bartimaeus, this is all that he knew. For as long as he was sitting along the roadside, this was the thing that caused him to feel accepted. The cloak was the thing that kept him warm at night. The cloak was the thing that provided him uh, identity and, and, and validity. He actually just didn't know any better. He had heard of Jesus, but he was waiting for the moment that he would actually meet Jesus. And, and I'm going to speak for myself here. How many times do I, my wife is in the front row, she can attest to this. How many times do I long for comfort more than the discomfort of crying out to the Lord? How many times do I get upset because maybe one of my kids doesn't stop whining and I'm just like, Lord, how long, Lord? Instead of entering into consistent discipleship with them and trying to meet them, at, meet them where they're at in their needs. And instead, I, clo I cloak myself in comfort and say, no, Lord, I don't want to do that because I want to be comfortable. So shush. How many times do I oh, not want to necessarily pray with my own wife because I feel like it's awkward? I do. And not really enter in with her because, because I, I feel like, man, if she heard the prayers that I prayed to the Lord, will, will she still think that I am the man of God that people think that I am? But I am calling you this morning. I'm calling attention to this cloak. It's getting hot in here. Yes, uh, I, I'm calling attention to this cloak. Because how many of us hunger for God to the point of enduring really discomfort and maybe even hunger pangs because we're fasting or we're praying or we're saying, I, I want to give up this comfort because I want to pray and intercede on behalf of my family. I want to pray and intercede on behalf of the city of Dallas. I want to pray and intercede on behalf of the world. I want to, I want to seek the Lord because I need him. We must, as blind Bartimaeus, get rid of this cloak and this, and this comfort because, uh, because what this means to get rid of this cloak and our own comfort, it means that we have to expose our own fears, our own insecurities, and our own weaknesses so that God may be glorified in them. You see, it's actually quite the opposite. The reason why we sometimes don't want to get rid of this cloak is because we think that we're too vulnerable or that, or that we're too weak. But if there's one thing that we learn from Paul is that he says, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses for when I am weak, then he is strong. 
And so here's my argument to you, and here's my charge to you, that if you're not coming out of this comfort zone, or if you're not exposing the insecurities and the weaknesses that you feel before the Lord, then what you are not allowing God to do is for him to be almighty in your own life. Who am I to stand in, in, in front of God and say, no, God, I don't want you to be strong. If anything, what you are doing is that you are invalidating your own prayer. If you're not uh, coming before the Lord in true humility and in true repentance and laying this aside and saying, God, here I am. So church, I believe that we are going into a time uh, this, this, th th this fall where the Lord is going to be asking us to get rid of this comfort blanket or this comfort cloak and, and setting it aside. Therefore, let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and let us put our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and let us run the race that is set before us with, with perseverance and endurance because you see, Scripture would say that if anyone wants to be my disciple, Jesus says he must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He's calling us really unto a life where we're consistently laying our lives down. And he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self? And you see what happens whenever we let go of the cloak and we come to Jesus and we heed his call. We are transformed. How do I know that? Let's read. Jesus stopped, verse 49, and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see it. I, I, I wish I could go into that, but I'm not going to this morning for the sake of time because I want to go into verse 52. He says, go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received the sight and followed Jesus along the road. And so he immediately received the sight and Jesus transforms this man's future. His past was full of darkness. His past was full of maybe uh, loneliness and heartache. Your past is full of darkness and maybe loneliness and heartache and anxieties and fears that you may have. But I'm here to tell you that your future is full of life and light. Now, hear me say that I'm not saying that you won't endure hardship. But what scripture tells us is that we will persevere in the midst of hardship. And so here, Jesus says, go, your faith has, feel, has, has healed you. Immediately he received a sight. And watch this. And, and Bartimaeus followed Jesus along the road. Compare what he did along the road to what he was doing before meeting Jesus by the road. You see, before meeting Jesus, he is sitting by the road Asking for people to uh, validate him or even give him some change or even meet his need. After being transformed by Jesus, he is now following Jesus all on the road or along the road. 
And this is a perfect picture of our discipleship with Jesus. That as he calls us into discipleship, he's inviting us into participation. You see, because Jesus fills our need. In him, we exchange comfort for participation. His abundant life then invites us into participation. Now, let me define this word participation for you. And this is the phrase that I got uh, to define participation. Participation, you might want to write this down because uh, this takes a little bit of time to marinate in as you start thinking about the implications of this definition. You ready? Participation means a being unto resurrection. A being unto resurrection. When I say uh, participation is a being unto resurrection, it's living our lives in such a way where our lives are not our own, but we are found in Christ. Where, Where Christ lives in us and fear has no place in us. It's a being unto resurrection where Galatians 2.20 would say that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Where Paul would say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And as people, we, we know what it's like to have need as outcasts without hope. But now we know what it's like to have our needs satisfied in Jesus, full of hope and accepted. And I personally desire for others to come to know this way of life. And the way of life is Jesus. Where death is conquered and we no longer live unto death. Because when Jesus said, and I'm not trying to invalidate what Jesus, but Jesus said, take up your cross daily and and walk with me. As he's saying that, he's basically inviting us in that moment unto death. But when he resurrected, what he's inviting us into is that we no longer need to fear death, but instead we live unto resurrection, guys. So what does this do? This this calls us into various forms of, of stepping into society and stepping into with the life and light of Jesus. When I think of this, I, I think of, and I didn't ask their permission, but I, I, I think of uh, like Daniel Roby, who's stepping into Austin Street Center, and he's, and he's uh, coming alongside and helping and, and trying to eradicate really the homelessness that is happening in the city of Dallas. I think of, 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 of Stephen Murray, who is, is in leading forerunner mentoring. And as he's leading forerunner mentoring, he is trying in many ways to, to fulfill the call of God on his life to eradicate fatherlessness in the Lake Highlands area. I think of Unbound North Texas, and I'm saying, man, we, we are joining together uh, as a ministry of two different churches, and we're saying we want to eradicate, along with Brad Walter here, to eradicate and go uh, against human uh, trafficking in, in really the Dallas-Fort Worth area. That when we say that we're sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth, we can't do that with cloaks wrapped around us, sitting in comfort. 
But instead, God is calling us into a life of participation where our life is in constant need of Jesus, where we live our lives and surrender to Jesus. And we're saying, Jesus, we need you more than anything, but we're not just sitting idly by the road, but he is saying, I've called you and we're following Jesus along the road. Uh, Like this visual that I'm getting right now is just our eyes extended wide open and saying in complete surrender to Jesus, do with me, Lord as you want. Because as blind Bartimaeus is following Jesus along the road, he recognizes that he's no longer living unto himself, but he's living unto Jesus. Because in Jesus, there is life. And so friend, this morning church, Romans 12, 9 would say that love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I read this in a book one time, and Kevin Van Hooser of uh, Faith Speaking Understanding, he says, what the church has to offer that no other institution can offer is the gospel of Jesus Christ, an invitation to life with God and fellowship in his family. This involves more, but not less than teaching about Jesus Christ. Proclaiming the truth is important, yet the church's vocation goes further. The mission of the church is to offer a taste of truth a personal experience of the gospel, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, let's all be blind Bartimaeus. And let's shed the comfort and let's say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to follow you and I want to go alongside the road, but I do have this need. Would you heal it? And Jesus is saying, call him. And he's calling you this morning. And I'm going to be one of those people around you that said, rise up, be of good cheer. He's calling you. Rise up, be of good cheer. He's calling you. As a friend, if you're in here and you've never heard about Jesus, I just want to let you know that Jesus is, we believe that he is the savior of the world, that he came uh, as God in the flesh and he lived a sinless life and that he showed us, he taught us how to live in the kingdom of God. And then he died for your sins. You know, the things that no one really knows about, he died for those things. So you've already been outed by the cross. But not only did he die, but he rose on the third day. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, sovereignly ruling and reigning. And he has called us as his people to be empowered by the Spirit, to live a life unto resurrection. And I'm telling you that this life is one of the best lives I have ever lived. In him, there's life and life in abundance. So this is what I would want to do this morning. I want to ask all of our staff, overseers, and prayer and prophetic uh, team, if you are here. Joe, can you take this? Thank you, sir. If you can come up to the front, go ahead. Let's come up here. 
And so I, I would like for, uh, for, for, I'd like to call three, really just three different type of people that may be in here this morning. And first, I want to call those who have never made a profession of faith and saying, I, I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him. This morning is, today is your day. This morning is your time. This morning, Jesus is walking by and he is, and, and, and it is up to you, Bartimaeus. He's calling you this morning so that you can say, as Jesus is walking by, you can say, Jesus, I need you. And if that's you, I know that every single person that is sitting up here would uh, relish the opportunity to pray with you, to give your life to Jesus. This morning, I also want to invite that person who has given into comfort and says this morning, I need Jesus to free me from sin. I believe that we're stepping into a time of freedom. And so freedom this morning looks like you coming up here in boldness and leaving your cloak aside and saying, I need Jesus. Then I want to call the third person. And this may be everybody. But those who simply just want more and more of Jesus, who says, I, I want to enter into the season and into this new season of the fall. And I want to enter it with strength. I want to enter it with boldness. I want to enter it with courage. I want to enter it by following Jesus wherever he goes, no matter what people around me are telling me to do or, or whether they're telling me to hush, I'm wanting to follow Jesus and I need more of him in order to do so. So church, why don't you stand right there where you're at and as our worship team leads us into worship, if any of those three are you, I want uh, our team is ready up here, ready to pray with you and for you. So Lord, I just pray for your people. I pray that, that this morning you would be with us and that, and that Lord, that you would visit us. And so come on church, let's start coming up here. If that's you, our team is ready to pray with you. Holy Spirit, move. And we ask that we would step out of this comfort zone, that we would remove the cloak, uh, Lord, and that we would continually come after you. And we say, Jesus, that our need is far greater than anything that could ever bring us comfort. In Jesus' name.